0: Well, hi everybody, it's Kim Winter from Logistics Executive Group. Thanks for giving up some of your time to listen or um, join us uh, audibly and, and visually today. It's my great pleasure to introduce our guest today, hailing from Singapore, Carsoon um, Al. Hey Carsoon, how are you doing?
1: Good, Kim, thanks for having me.
0: Good job, and Carsoon, you are our current uh, Executive Director, Associate Director in Asia and uh, Oceania for Logistics Executive Group. Um, You've had 30 odd years experience in senior roles uh, throughout Asia, and wanna talk a little bit about those roles uh, today, of course. Uh, You've been the co-founder of uh, of a tech startup as well uh, in the area of logistics and supply chain. Uh, Prior to that, you were the Global Head of uh, Marketing and Corporate Communications, for APL Logistics. And you've held several other roles uh, right across the region, including um, fairly fairly heavy uh, bunch of education uh, timing in Australia as well. So welcome. And uh, tell us a little bit about yourself right from the early days, Carson.
1: Oh, thank you very much, Kim. Uh, well, I'll probably start with, uh, you know, how I got into this industry uh you know you're right uh, I spent a lot of time here uh obviously in Asia but also I spend a significant amount of time in Australia uh both uh, for my education and uh for uh working there uh you know my, my story really is about uh starting in uh in Asia in the 90s you know it's a really exciting time for us uh because you know there's a uh, the pretty go-go time for for all the trade and uh, and uh, and financial services that's actually happening in industry. So that's where I kind of started uh, working in financial services and in marketing. You know, with uh, pretty uh, pretty big companies uh, around in the region. Now I took a break uh, a little bit after that uh, to go back to school to Australia, and uh, when I came out again. Uh, you know, I started, restarted in Singapore, uh, in most in, in consulting as well as in transport and logistics. So interesting times have been, uh, you know, for us right now uh, in the region as well. Uh, there's a lot of activity and a lot of uh, work going on uh, around transport and logistics. Good stuff.
0: Hey, well, why don't you just give the audience a bit of a snapshot on the big picture and what's going on in Southeast Asia or or broader Asian market. You've you've been there for for many years uh, and are our local guy on the ground there. Um, Of course, Asia has always been the dragon economies by comparison to the rest of the world seem to have weathered storms uh, better than other parts of the world. It's very active. You've got so many countries there. All pushing for for trade with global markets. Give us a bit of a snapshot overhead and any stats and information that might be useful to our audience.
1: Ah, oh, certainly, Kim. Uh, what's been happening here in this part of the world has been uh, really, uh, you know, really a real roller coaster as well. I think you know, obviously, 2020 is a year that uh, we'd rather. Uh, see the the end of you know, and we're glad that that's over. But uh, you know, going into twenty twenty one, what uh, we've been seeing here on the ground is that you know, uh, economic forecasts for uh, the major economies here in ASEAN have been uh, forecasted to grow from you know anywhere between five to eight uh, percent in twenty twenty one. Now, a lot of that really has to be put in context because you know, uh, a year ago, back in April. Uh, the PMI, you know, the producers, uh, the, the manufacturing index was, uh, you know, uh, slumped to about 20 or 30. But, you know, in January this year, it's uh, picked up to above 50 for uh, most of the economies around the region. So, you know, it's a, it's a good sign for us to actually see that happening and happening in a rapid way. Now, part of that obviously is, uh, you know, the, the rapid action that, a lot of governments around the region have taken in terms of locking down, right, the, the COVID, uh, COVID infections. But also there's a policy action to actually inject liquidity into the economies over here so that, you know, businesses can continue to uh, operate and, uh, you know, retail trade uh, and growing demand for e-commerce has actually been a big driver of that.
0: Mm-hmm. Great. So, and in, and in regards to the, the trends in the market there at the moment, where are you seeing, I mean, you're you're engaged in a range of corporate advisory projects there at the moment. What are you seeing in regards to transformation? Is is 2021 a transformation year or is it steady as she goes in regards to strategy for a lot of the, the biggest supply chain companies this year? Give us a bit of a feel for what you're seeing happening on the ground.
1: Mm. So what's happening, Kim, is that uh, if we take a step back, right, uh, the macros around the region are still looking pretty good. There's uh, a relatively young population base. uh, There's high technology and mobile uh, adoption. And, you know, there's also continues to be a trend of urbanization and consumption. So those are really good macro trends uh, for us to rely on. But what's been happening as well uh, is that uh, in terms of trade and trade as a region, uh, one of the significant events we've seen uh, and had, you know, clients continue to talk us talk to us about, is that in November of 2020, uh, uh, the Regional Ac- Comprehensive uh, Economic Partnership or RCEP was signed. Uh, by 10 of the ASEAN countries, including China, Japan, South Korea, Australia, and New Zealand. Now, this is a significant and pretty landmark uh, agreement that's been signed because it's going to uh, comprise about 29% of global GDP and 30% of the global population, just within this uh, particular agreement. And what's also significant as a milestone for this is that China has had uh, experience and history of a lot of bilateral trade agreements and this is the first time they've actually signed a regional and multilateral trade pact with a lot of countries. Now what does mm-hmm. this kind of mean for us? Uh, there's a lot of uh, talk and we've had you know inquiries around what this means for uh, clients and companies but w- one of the significant, uh, significant areas that this will help is that it actually helps to streamlined a lot of the trade uh, facilitation and a lot of measures that are in place around the RCEP area. Uh, one of the rules uh, one of the areas that are that are going to s- uh, face significant change is that there's a ruling there for a common uh, common RO right rules of origin for uh, goods that are originating or being processed in the industry. Now, this has always been a bit of a thorn in the side for a lot of companies because when you cross borders, uh, you have to conform to a different set of rules, different set of regulations according to the country. So the RCEP, if it's ratified later this year, uh, is going to see adoption of a common ROO. And uh, that holds a lot of potential, especially for uh, companies and MNCs who want to locate their operations in a really you know, efficient, optimal way in the region. So it becomes a, a bit of a game-changer okay, when we kind of look at the implications of uh, trade agreement on RCEP. So that's just one facet of it. Okay,
0: and you've been working um, a fair bit on, on merger and acquisition deals in the last probably 12 months or so that I'm aware of and, and probably well and truly before that. Um, talk to, there's a lot of consolidation. I mean, we see on the wires daily, about some of the big deals going on globally, but uh, as is the case normally, Asia is right in the thick of it. So talk to us a little bit about um, what sort of what sort of a activity is taking place? What are the trends? What are some of the deals that have been going down? And what does that mean for the marketplace and especially for um, upstream and downstream um, supply chain?
1: Okay, There's, uh, you're right. There's been a lot of activity and a lot of attention given to to the logistics space. I think in, a, in the span of the last uh, 12 to 24 months, what we've kind of seen is there's been a wave of consolidation uh, with pretty large organizations involved. Uh, uh, some of our viewers will probably be aware of, you know, the tie-ups between carry Logistics and SF. For instance, as well as uh, the uh, current uh, situation of uh, the sale of uh, To Global Express, uh, so part of this is some of the areas that, that we are seeing uh, on the ground in terms of consolidation in industry. Uh, beyond that, I and mean, if we dig scratch a little deeper, we also see consolidation in the cold chain, uh, uh, cold chain across the industry, uh, especially in areas where uh, countries which have which are large food producers or large food importers uh, have a need for this. Um, besides that, uh, we are also getting, you know, uh, into more and more of the area and uh, discussions with our clients about what this kind of means because besides all of these large acquisitions, we're also seeing activity and discussion around what could be tier, more tier two or tier three type of consolidations. And, you know, that's where I think, uh, you know, there's also a question mark around what this means for supply chains because when you bring these companies together it's also uh it's also an issue of uh, combining different resources talents as well as uh the uh, entire supply chain so it's an area where you know we're getting a lot of attention and a lot of inquiries about
0: sure well and it certainly seems that um demand on the talent uh, acquisition side is Continuing to be very strong uh, throughout the Asia Pac region, in particular Southeast Asia. So, well, I can only assume that uh, as companies transform, they're looking for new sort of uh, more, more talent coming into organisation. What sort of what sort of talent are you seeing um, as in, in the demand cycle? Uh, is it technology based? Is is e-commerce, is is last mile um, transformation where the talent is going? Well, there are different areas where the demands for talent are occurring.
1: There's uh, a fair amount of demand that's going on for those areas that you talk about, Kate. Uh, There's uh, a concern, I think, uh, underlying concern that what the COVID situation or the pandemic has really accelerated is this uh, need for uh, more digitalization across the entire supply chain. So with that, you need a skill set that can actually evolve these companies. And those kind of uh, skills are actually in high demand right now. So that's one of the areas where we're seeing uh, clients uh, talking to us about uh, how they can insert this type of talents into their organization. There's also uh, a survey and report out by uh, the Temasek and Google, for instance, that kind of shows uh, these trends are here to stay. Uh, about uh, one in three of uh, of the uh, respondents to their report actually are showing that they're first timers to using digital services. And uh, the um, the number of internet users uh, across in Asia have increased uh, from, uh, from about 260 million five years ago to about 400 million today. So that's a significant jump. And so what this kind of underlines is that uh, there are implications for both uh, talent uh, for addressing the technology issues, but there's also uh, it, there's also a need for talents which can actually handle that change management in specific processes, in specific organizations and across specific geographies. So I've talked a little bit about RCEP. So as you kind of know, the region is not just one homogenous uh homogenous uh, country right there are different rules and there are different areas where uh countries continue to have very localized uh conditions and that also means you know the kind of uh fit for market talent that clients are talking to us about
0: okay well thanks thanks for sharing that and giving us a bit of insight there karsun um now you're, you're in singapore Talk to me a little bit about some of the regulation. I know it's a very heavily regulated market, very successful country. Um, Historically, Singapore has been an absolute market leader in in a whole range of criteria right across economic strength. Um, And I see they've done a pretty good job as well um, over there in regards to management of the pandemic by and large, uh, regulations around trade. Now, I know you and I spoke some time ago about uh, the KCR regime. Maybe you can share uh, with our audience what the KCR is and, and what the significance of trade in businesses.
1: Oh, I'd be happy to, Kim. Uh, the KCR regime or the known consignor regime uh, is gonna be implemented in Singapore in the first half of this year. Uh, it's a security measure to enhance uh, air cargo on commercial aircraft, and it's also a requirement by the uh, ICAO. So part of these uh, this security measure, what makes it different is that you know in the past we've had several other security certifications like you know uh, CT-PET and TAPA, and they have been voluntary in their adoption. But what uh, the KCR is going to be is that it's going to be a security certification that have. Uh, a lot more stringent security compliance and implementation. Uh, the implication of this is that uh, by uh, participating in the KCR, uh, consignors registered under it will be uh, maintained on a list uh, of, uh, of under the, under the consignor list. And when they ship through uh, Singapore, uh, it affects all cargo that will actually be shipped through Singapore, whether it's in transit or actually coming through. So uh, one of the areas which will have implications for clients is that uh, for those that are on this list, uh, they'll only be subject to random screening uh, of their known cargo because they will have shown that they have adopted acceptable levels of security in their logistic operations. Now, this security will also need to be independently validated by uh, an external assessor. Now, on the other hand, if, if uh, consigners don't want to register as uh, under this list, they can continue with the current operations, but the entire consignment of the cargo will then be subject to a full security screen. So, you know, these are implications which are going to carry uh, pretty uh, complicated, uh, sometimes complicated, or uh, will increase the amount of uh, compliance that clients are going to have to look at. Now, this also will start to streamline in, in what we talked about a little earlier in terms of, of uh, trade facilitation across the, across the region being harmonized, right? And having a single RO under uh, RCEP framework, for instance. So regulators, are, I think uh, from, from, from what I've been seeing and talks with regulators is that they're also playing a bit of, a, uh, playing a bit of a accelerated game uh, to also catch up to the reality of how business is being done today and it's being done faster, uh, it's being done more with technology and it's also being done with the aim to actually increase the pie for everybody involved, especially when it comes to trade across the region.
0: Awesome, well, it's That's really interesting. And, and I note when you were talking about um, the different areas of influence in, in regards to demand for talent, you're you mentioning heavy reliance on on tech and the way that affects trade. Um, you've always had a fairly close finger on the pulse in regards to investment in the region, uh, historically, um, not only from helping to take companies public, um, from some of your corporate positions, um, but also around uh, on the M and A and working with venture capital and private equity players. Talk to us a little bit about what the trends are around investment at the moment, um, what direction things are going and, and where the investment is coming from.
1: Well, it's a, it's a, it's a trend where uh, we're seeing that uh, the emphasis of investment in, in technology still remains really high. Uh, but uh, what we're seeing is that early stage investing continues to be pretty strong. That means that you know, the, at the stage of uh, your, your seed or your Series A. Uh, but uh, mid- mid-term, uh, mid-term uh, financing or investments have started to plateau. Now, part of that is really about appetite in the market for uh, companies that are looking uh, for uh, different types of corporate exercises, whether it's an acquisition or whether it's investment into uh, new businesses. Uh, what we're also seeing here in this space is that. Um, with that trend, uh, a lot of the uh, companies which are trying to transform or are new to the scene, especially in technology. They are now starting to, to try to chart uh, and place more emphasis on a path to profitability and a fit for market strategy. So in the past, before we had COVID, what we could kind of see is that there was a, a bucket load of ideas and you know there's a lot of excitement around super platforms around the region So now what we kind of see is that there's also pivot around that where uh, the conditions today is that consumer habits are kind of changing. Uh, You know, one in three of those consumers like we talked about, you know, uh, are new consumers using digital services. There's been a pivot away from you know things like travel and hospitality to uh, groceries, to digital financial services and health tech, for instance, because you know you, you can't go to the bank to, to get a loan, so you'll do it over your phone or uh, through virtual uh, loan applications. But also in education, because you know you won't have classrooms full of uh, full of students, for instance, like that has to be delivered in a way that makes sense in this kind of new normal, right? So that's what we're kind of seeing in terms of the, the uh, space in the space right now. And we already talked about a little bit about, you know, what, what is happening on a, a bigger scale. And it's consolidation in terms of, of uh, looking at broadening those networks and platforms across the region. And that implication really is about, you know, taking out the friction from the supply chain that we've seen. Uh, so it's exciting times. and I think that looking ahead, especially with how, the uh, regional economies are shaping up, and there's also uh, a bigger momentum for vaccinations to take place. Is uh, that you know this is going to put us in a good space in twelve months to eighteen months down the track?
0: Great. Well, well thanks for giving us that update. I mean, you know, Asian economies are notorious for their efficiency, uh, for their ability to get on the front foot to to move. Quickly um, and to take advantage of any opportunities that exas- exist on a macro level. Uh, of course, so many emerging economies still in the region. Although many of the economies in in uh, the, the Asia market, you'd have to argue wouldn't really so much be seen as, as emerging these days. If they're fully mature. And we we talk to Singapore as one of the great hubs traditionally of global trade. Um, And it only grows in that stature. Um, We've had an office there since, I think, 2005, 2006. But any time I've been stationed there, I've spent 90% of my time outside of Singapore. And I think that's pretty much true from a talent perspective and a leadership perspective for a lot of the companies that are based there. Their executives tend to spend or have tended to spend most of their time traveling. Um, What's the last 12 months meant to that whole process of, the traveling uh, executive from a regional office in Singapore, it has been almost impossible to travel to many countries. So what is it? what an impact has that made?
1: Well, you know, as they say, the show must go on again. And uh, it, that's it's exactly that's what's happened. Uh, you know, face-to-face things have obviously been overtaken by uh, digital and virtual meetings. Uh, you know, phone conversations. And it's never been a better time for us to to actually uh, have this kind of technology and platforms available. Like even today, right, we're doing a virtual face to face interview, and you can do that with technology just off the shelf. Uh, but what, even more important than that, I think, is that it's sharpened a lot of executives uh, and the, the workforce in terms of the importance of uh, working from home and working from home also means that you need to have a platform and uh, infrastructure behind that. It's also a different style of management again because obviously you know you lose the kind of social interaction you'd normally have if you were in a group or put uh, put together obviously on the same floor so uh, you need to compensate or uh, adapt to that in a different way. But I think the dynamics of uh, what's happened is is really interesting because uh, executives have to grapple with that, and obviously they're coming to us, you know, asking for how they can how they can adapt to this, and you know whether it's coaching or whether it's it's uh, talent management. It's been a very interesting time for us to you know look through a different lens and kind of help them through this process.
0: know, yeah, awesome. Well, look, really, really uh, intrigued by your views and and your updates. And on. I'm hoping our audience is getting some value to finding out just what's going on in the ground and in a real significant hub like Singapore and in the broader regional perspective that you're providing. Hey, I know you've got a couple of meetings to go to today, so I won't keep you long, but with, with, with all of our guests, um, we always like to wrap by getting your views on a couple of issues, quick-fire questions. Um, you've got a very deep, and rich, long uh, leadership history uh, with the companies that you've been involved in. Um, the quick one I want you to answer is for other leaders, whether it's in supply chain or, or other businesses, i um, really interested to hear from you what your advice would be for leaders over the next 12 months. What, what are the one or two things that you would advise leaders to be focused on to be successful in their business activities over the next 12 months or so?
1: Well, Ken... Can- over the next 12 months, I think that, you know, con- we'll, we'll, we'll continue to see bumps on the road. Uh, it's not only because we're coming out from COVID, but also because uh, of the new normal of how we are uh, running our businesses, uh, you know, and how perhaps uh, the attention is also the pivot on e-commerce. So my advice really is to be, uh, continue to be adaptable, continue to be flexible in what you're doing, especially in this time. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of opportunity that continues to be there because despite the slump we've seen uh, due to the pandemic, the, the, the pickup in activity has not slowed down. So, you know, while business continues to grow, uh, you don't need to be in a position to seize that opportunity. And that means that, you know, we need to continue to be open to uh, ideas and how we can, we can continue to thrive. So I think that's important and keeping, of course, uh, 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 our eye on the bottom line, especially with the the liquidity in the market will be important uh, because uh, capital raising in these kind of conditions may be a little harder, but it's still possible. So uh, continuing to keep an eye on the business as it grows, uh, but also being flexible to uh, the new conditions that we are we are, we are facing, uh, I think it will be key over the next 12 months.
0: Awesome. Thanks for that. Well, and the final question is, given the fact that logistics and supply chain profile has never been as high as what it is with uh, the change of consumer behaviour with last mile, with e-commerce, with uh, online acquisitions, uh, all of the above, in um, uh-huh. a lot, we're seeing a lot of younger talent being attracted towards supply chain, which is absolutely fantastic. And we're seeing that globally across all of our 13 offices. So from your perspective, the young talent, whether it's in Singapore or in other countries in your realm in Asia, what would be your one recommendation to young talent applying for roles, going into an interview with a logistics supply chain company or a, a company that may be more broadly a retail or wholesale company or a tech company, e-commerce company, What would be the one thing that you would say to young talent going into an interview? What would be the one thing that they should push in that interview?
1: I think that uh, besides what I really talked about, flexibility, I think that young talent uh, really brings a breath of fresh air in terms of creativity, and that's incredibly important because we are in a stage where creativity and innovation uh, is going to be what differentiates you from the next guy, and uh, I think uh, young talent uh, have a great opportunity to present that and put the ideas forward, uh, and hope and in the in the in environment which I think embraces that, because I think for a long time our our logistics and supply chain industry uh, has been uh, has been quite uh, uh, has had uh, its own challenges in moving forward. And I think that what this brings uh, to the table today is that it's being looked at strategically, it's being looked at as a valuable component in the whole value chain. We can see that at a regional and at a regulator and even at the government level, there's a lot of attention being given to trade and logistics is really the lifeblood of that. So I would encourage all young talents out there to be creative in a field that's facing a lot of these challenges and with those challenges come the opportunity for them to shine.
0: Right. Well, thanks, Karsun. I mean, uh, yeah, very challenging environment and a lot of people are doing it very tough, unless we forget those people and give our encouragement to all businesses and individuals that are that are doing it tough out there at the moment. Having said that, a lot of opportunity as well. So, Kasu now, our uh, Associate Director for Asia and Oceania for Logistics Executive, thank you so much for giving your time today. Really good to see you again.
1: Thank you, Kim, it's been a pleasure.
0: Thanks, Carsoon. And to our audience, thank you for giving some of your time or listen your ear to our conversation. We hope that we've shared some uh, some insights and shed some light on some of the issues that are salient in Asia at the moment. As usual, to all of the uh, first responders, the health and wellness specialists out there keeping us safe, thank you. We take our hat off to you always. To everybody out there, stay safe, keep distance, wear your mask, wash your hands and look after each other. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Carsoon.
1: Thank you.